everyone. Hope you're having a good day. Thanks so much for tuning in. My name is Dylan Thomas. I'm a master's student at the University of Ottawa, and I'll be your host on today's special episode for my science communication course, TMM 4950. We've got a great episode lined up for you today. So, you know, relax, grab a coffee, grab a snack, uh, and let's get right into it. A novel drug can take up to 10 to 15 years and more than $2 billion to develop, and failure rates occur in about 95% of human studies. You know, we as a society invest so much time, money, and general hope into drug trials that more often than not lead to failure. And a big reason for this is because we initially test new drugs in animals like mice. And you know, you don't have to be a scientist, you don't have to have a master's to know that mice and humans are very different. But of course, we don't want to give humans drugs that have only been tested in a petri dish and that might literally kill them, so animals are our best bet. Since humans and mice are extremely different though, one way we try to bridge this gap is by creating what we call mouse models. Mouse models are a family of mice that suffer from the same disease that we are trying to treat in humans, therefore we can test drugs on them safely. Many diseases, like Fragile X Syndrome and Down Syndrome, have behavioral symptoms that are almost impossible to measure in a quantifiable and scientific way in mouse models. So this can make studying them and finding effective treatments for these diseases incredibly difficult as you must rely on observational data, which can be unreliable, inconsistent, and generally difficult to measure. I mean, just imagine staring at a screen of mice running around and trying to get a glimpse into how they're feeling or what their behavior is like. And this can lead to failed clinical trials in humans down the road. But a recent innovation in behavioral technology is aiming to change all of that. And since this is such a diverse and complicated problem, the solution and this technology is also very complicated. So in simple terms, before I get into the interview to help kind of orient yourselves, this technology works by putting kind of an analogy here, as putting a pressure plate on the bottom of a mouse cage that is able to record mice's very small movements. So for example, if a mouse does something related to behavior, like if it grooms itself or it sniffs or it uh, freezes, this machine is able to look at these behaviors and record them in signals. And then later we can look at these signals and analyze them and start to understand what they correlate to. In today's segment, we are honored to be joined by Dr. Maria Carreño Munoz, a postdoctoral student in Dr. de Cristo's lab at the CHU St. Justin Research Center, which is affiliated with l'Université de Montréal. Maria has been working towards designing a new tool to analyze aspects of behavior that have previously been out of reach to researchers. Thank you so much for joining us today, Maria. Thank you for inviting me. So, you recently published a very interesting paper in the Neuropsychopharmacology Journal that I'm sure listeners would love to hear more about. For those who haven't had the chance to read it, or for those who don't read the Neuropsychopharmacology Journal tongue twister on the daily, uh, your group was actually able to develop an exciting technology using sensors that allows researchers to gain more subtle behavioral information from mouse models. Before we get into the applications of this amazing technology, would you be able to explain to our listeners maybe in very simple terms how this technology works? So this behavioral tool is uh, basically an open field resting on several piezoelectric sensors. These uh, piezoelectric sensors are actually able to detect changes in pressure uh, with a very high sensitivity. Each one of these sensors produces a signal, and these signals are summed up uh, into a single one. So at the end, we only have one signal reflecting the changes in pressure that are happening at the same time in all the points on the platform. Mm -hmm. um, and the way it works is basically you just 
put your animal on the open field and start recording the pleistocene couple with the video. Uh, which means it's absolutely non-invasive, uh, no preparation needs, it, it's needed. Uh, you just need the animals you want to test uh, and just let them explore and freely behave uh, and let the pit selected uh, platform do their magic. <laughs> can you give our listeners just a few examples of some tiny behaviors or movements that can be picked up from your device just to show how sensitive it is? Uh, yeah, different types of groomers produce different and very specific patterns on the picture of the platform. So we were unable to distinguish in between back of the grooming, belly grooming, excessive, of course, and uh, uh, grooming and so on. Uh, so we started by uh, grooming another obvious example like uh, sniffing, uh, jumping, walking, uh, rearing. But uh, so these were uh, very easy to identify, but then we wanted to go and explore other subtle behavior um, that this signal was able to, to detect. And then we were super surprised at the, about the extreme sensitivity and temporal resolution that uh, it was offering. So, for example, um, uh, the, uh, the platform is able to detect uh, such small movements uh, as the um, her single heartbeat or a breathing pattern while the animal is sitting still or lying down. Um, we also started using different mouse models to search for pathological signs that we were unable to see um, just by the video signal. Uh, and for example, we did observe shivering in mouse model of um, a Parkinson's uh, um which was affected based on the human literature, but previously had been very difficult to identify this shivering in mouse model of Parkinson's disease. And when it was possible to identify that, it was by using techniques uh, uh, that are really invasive, such as uh, EMG. So, earlier in the podcast, I told listeners how important it is to make sure animal models show the same symptoms and behaviors as humans do within a certain disease. In your paper, you did an amazing experiment where you were able to record a behavior that people with autism commonly exhibit under stress in a Fragile X mouse model. Do you mind explaining to our listeners what that behavior is in humans and how your technology was able to observe and quantify it in mice grooming themselves? So the grooming, it's, uh, the grooming amplitude it was actually um, uh, bigger in a uh, mouse model of uh, autism spectrum disorder, in Fragile X syndrome. Uh, yeah, uh, one uh, mouse model, mm -hmm. uh, which uh, surprisingly we also observed um, self uh, self injury um, after grooming excessive uh, grooming. So yeah. we could not only identify this excessive grooming by the, the time that they spent grooming, which is also something that you can observe uh, by the video, mm -hmm. but this. Uh, for this, uh, this uh, strength of uh, them doing this grooming and maybe getting to hurt themselves without even realizing yeah. it was captured only by the, the pizza signal. Yeah. yeah, thank you for reminding me. Yeah, no, because no, I found that so cool. I was saying, like, um, so, you know, some patients or some people living with autism, they can, you know, when they're stressed, they can sometimes scratch themselves to almost the point of, of self harm. And the fact that you're able to observe this in a, you know, in a mouse model, we probably wouldn't 
even notice by video or just by observation, right? So I found that amazing. So that's why I was like Thank dying you. to ask that question. <laughs> I never knew mouse grooming could be so cool. Um, so talking a little bit more about the Fragile X syndrome mouse model you were working with, you mentioned in your paper that there's a hypothesis that the abnormal regulation of the sympathetic sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system may lead to the anxiety and stress commonly observed in children with fragile X. As we know, the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system plays an important role in controlling heart rate, and your phenotypic system was actually able to monitor these mice's heart rates when they were sleeping without attaching any wires to them. So my question is, what did you observe in these fragile X mice compared to the wild type? And yeah, actually, as you said, uh, so uh, we, we are an we are able to to uh, measure count the number of heartbeats per second so we are able to, to, to measure the rate mm -hmm. of the heartbeat uh, in different mass model in uh, a fragile syndrome uh, fmr1 model we observe an increased um, heartbeat mm -hmm. at rest in a novel environment but also in a in a familiar relatively familiar environment, so after familiarization. We were able to uh, rescue this uh, excessive grooming and self-injury. Uh, also, locomotory uh, activity was increased. So all these, we were able to uh, rescue them, uh, this uh, behavior, by uh, just injecting this BMS, uh, uh, mm -hmm. so restoring the excitatory, uh, the uh, hyper, excitability of the neuron yeah um so we tried with the heartbeat and we observed again a decrease uh, so we, we were able to rescue this uh, phenotype as well yeah that is just incredible that you're able to give a drug to these mice and observe a decrease in their heart rate which you probably wouldn't even be able to record without your your technology here so it's 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 truly fascinating um and this kind of bypasses the problem i presented in the introduction, where we need to make sure that drugs are actually uh, effective in mouse models before we move it to human trials, which are so expensive and long, you know. So with a device like this, we can actually see a change in behavior in mice, which is a lot more promising and, you know, might actually show success in humans. See, I have a very biased mind. I study translational and molecular medicine. So my mind is always, you know, drug development, drug testing, all that. But could you elaborate on how you see this technology being used by other scientists, maybe outside of the field of drug discovery? So I see two different kind of researchers that might be interested in using this uh, platform. Mm -hmm. One, it's uh, one group, it will be people people just doing uh, behavioral, uh, behavioral analysis or phenotyping different mouse models, and they see um, the, the, the behavior that we have already identified, like a potentially interesting for them, and they want to automatize their uh, studies and do something else, like, I don't know, they have their different hypotheses about drugs or yeah. whatever, and they just want to use this uh, platform to, uh, to accelerate their research, let's say. Mm -hmm. And there is another group of uh, scientists that uh, I think they will be interested in that, and this is more computational like uh, scientists or um, electrophysiologists. So saying that you can 
uh, record the signal at the same temporal uh, with the same temporal resolution, saying that you have a huge amount of unknown pattern that uh, what does do they correspond to? What is their uh, complexity level? What is the their fractal properties? There, mm. you know, to to uh, identify that they might be ident uh, interested in identify what are the uh, intrinsic properties of all these new uh, um, behaviors that are so far unknown. For example, we have identified identified some uh, very early. Um, uh, markers uh, mm -hmm. in the in the piezo signal for the uh, for one mouse model of um, Alzheimer's mm -hmm. and we have seen how using different therapies we can actually rescue the the later uh, decline decline in the, wow. the so not only to identify this uh, unknown pattern but also to identify early biomarkers in mm -hmm. different mouse models See how the, the, the disease starts to express uh, that otherwise we cannot see. We think that uh, a disease starts to express at a given point, but there are hidden patterns that yeah. we actually express that we are not aware that we are expressing this, uh, this uh, uh, behavior. Yeah. That's what I, I meant before when I was telling you that sometimes we express things that we are not even aware of that. Mm -hmm. And a disease can express itself. So we express this sign of the disease without even realizing that it's associated to that disease, or it's the early kind of symptoms of the disease. So that's the beauty of uh, identifying early yeah. uh, markers. So you can start to treat early as possible that you can uh, intervene. Yeah. And now this sadly brings our interview to a close. Maria, thank you so much for taking the time today to join me uh, about speaking about this amazing technology you developed, and I can't wait to see what kind of work you do in the future. Definitely keep an eye out. Thank you. Okay, great. Thank you awesome. so much. No problem. Thank you, Maria. It's a real pleasure to talk to you. To wrap up this week's episode, I thought it'd be a good idea to give a quick summary of what we talked about today. So the name of the technology that Maria was able to develop is phenotypics, if you want to look into it further, and it can, it can detect small movements and behaviors that were previously unable to record. It also offers a less invasive way to record heartbeat and breathing in mice, since it doesn't require any outside technology or wires actually attached to the animal. It can be used to validate animal models, as Maria talked about before. They were able to see that these mice suffering from Parkinson's were actually shaking, and we were never actually able to record this before phenotypics in these mice. It can also be used to uh, validate drug effectiveness, since when she gave a drug to mice um, of a autism spectrum disorder animal model, it actually corrected their behavior more to a wild type. And it can also be used to discover biomarkers or little movements and behaviors that relate to early signs of a disease so we can treat it earlier. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. We had an absolute blast creating this, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. See you.